Well, hello and welcome to Socially Awkward History. I'm Joe Gillard, your host and founder of the online history hub, History Hustle. This is the podcast that puts the awkward into Anglo-Saxon and the cringe into Cavalier. Every episode we are joined by a comedian to dissect and discuss some socially awkward facts from history. I'm also joined by my trusty producer, Giles. Hey, Giles. Hello, Joe. So, who's our comedian guest this week? Well, Joe Gillard, founder of History Hustle, our comedian guest is Verity Babs. According to her own description, Verity is an art historian, critic, and comedian who hosts Art Laughs, which is art-themed comedy nights and a YouTube series as well. Very cool. Welcome to the show, Verity. So how how awkward uh, would you say you are as a person? Are you awkward or are you pretty uh, self-confident? I feel like that question is like such a litmus test for this, isn't it? <laughs> like, um, I think that like on top form, not necessarily awkward at all. But, um, you know, I'm never, never far away from, from an awkward moment. It's like rats in London. You're never more than five oh, wow. <laughs> metres away from an awkward mishap. Well, um, we'll see what happens in five minutes. <laughs> Okay, so let's uh, let's get started with the first uh, history fact here. This one is about Max Planck. Max Planck uh, was a was a physicist back in the day, 19th century and early 20th century. But Max was told by a professor um, when he was a student not to go into physics because almost everything is already discovered. Uh, and that was okay with Max, who said he didn't want to discover anything. He just wanted to learn the fundamentals. But he then went on to essentially originate quantum theory and win a Nobel Prize. So, so our hero Max here um, really didn't want to be a groundbreaking, change the world physicist, but he ended up being one anyhow. Um, so what do you think, Verity? Do you usually undersell yourself and then kind of blow everyone away? Or do you tend to oversell yourself and then come up short, underwhelm people? I feel like I've 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 known Giles long enough that I feel like he he could answer answer whether I'm whether I'm like disappointing or <laughs> or surprisingly all right. Um, I don't know. I feel like with today's modern hustle culture, you've got to sell yourself, haven't you? And there's no point. <laughs> right. um, there's no point selling a faulty product. Um, so similarly to plank i've gone with doing being like a bit unusual Mm -hmm. and then you can sort of do whatever you like like Mm. in school i'd always be like i'll do the sport that no one else does (laughs) because then i'll definitely be the best at it um so like similarly with like instruments it's all very like (laughs) very hipster mid noughties but i think if you do something a bit niche then sort of it's all you're the best at it immediately i don't think that um yeah if i was to do anything um anything that anyone else did i'd come up short but (laughs) so just trying to find that niche (laughs) that's a good theory that's like saying you know i i know a language but it's it's such an obscure language that no one could ever call you out on not knowing it because nobody knows it (laughs) right yeah exactly (laughs) being like the best at speaking Welsh in a room of you and one other person who also doesn't speak Welsh, but they don't need to know. Like. I also don't feel it's a, it's a very similar thing to teachers seem to have a very fun hobby of discouraging children from doing 
jobs which feels like the opposite of what teachers should do maybe it's more of a back in my day thing but it was like don't do that don't be an actor don't do that don't do don't do any creative stuff be a lawyer and so this feels a very similar thing of the uh the tutor being like yeah you can you can do physics but you probably won't discover quantum physics or win a nobel prize whatever that is i mean maybe they weren't (laughs) around back then they probably were but you know, teachers do that. Teachers discourage you from from having a great life. I mean, no shade to teachers apart from all teachers. <laughs> Our teacher did this thing when I can't remember what year it was, but do you remember that guy who jumped from space? Tim Peake. Yeah, when he jumped from space from that. Well, what, no, he was like proper astronaut. Was he? This like other guy jumped from a hot air balloon. Do you remember oh. him? Uh, no, Joe. I think I know. I think I remember that. Yeah, it was in the like early 2010s, and a guy on like a Red Bull balloon <laughs> got up. <laughs> oh, to, yes, got up to like the stratosphere, and he jumped. And in an assembly, our head teacher um, showed us this clip of this man plummeting to Earth, and said, "Think of this as a metaphor for your GCSEs." Oh my god! <laughs> by which he meant, you know, go where no one's gone before, and you know, take that leap. Um, but really, it was just like, yeah, death is likely. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to fall and fall for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. They they had this. They, they had. I can't remember who he was, but he had a Red Bull. He was a Red Bull guy, wasn't he? And he had a camera in every possible sort of helmet and crevice, and dare I say, orifice. And it was like, <laughs> if this goes wrong, we've got an HD like <laughs> like live footage of someone's weird like suicide, but from space. <laughs> but if it goes right, everyone's okay. It was a really odd thing. But like the best, the best fall from a Red Bull balloon ever. Ah, uh, I see. Whereas yeah. if he'd been like, do you know what? I just do skydiving. Loads of people do skydiving. Be a yeah. be a big fish in a small pond. Jump from that stratosphere, baby. But then, so then this is so what our friend Joe, what was his name? Planky, Max Plank. Yeah, that's right. So he he was a he was a fish in a pond with fishes. He said, "I want to carry on doing physics," and but then he discovered more cool stuff. So yeah, but he was so he was so chill about it all. He's just like, yeah, you know, I discovered this, you know, because it's there. I didn't do anything special. I just kind of, uh, you know, led the way or opened the path for others to, to keep um, researching, which I thought was cool. And he had a very, God, his whole life was was sort of awkward, it seemed like. I heard somewhere else that he got, he got second place in a competition, like a physics competition, but there was no first place. But because the, the judge thought he didn't deserve first place, they gave him second. What? Anyways, when... <laughs> Why? Why did? Well, I, I was going to say, why does everyone hate him? But I am right. looking at a photo of him, and he, he's quite—it's it's not an easy to love face. I think it's quite poor Max Planck. It's quite healthy though to go into things and be like, I just want to have a nice time. That's what we're all aiming for, isn't it? Just to kind of go in and learn some physics. You don't need to. There's no pressure. It's all good. But that's what I say to artists a lot. It would have to be like, what hasn't been done? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you just go in to have a nice time, maybe then you'll discover another thing. But assuming that you'll discover, like, you can never think of anything new, can you? No. It's all been done. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Give up. Right. <laughs> right. Art gets harder every year. Yes. <laughs> Joe, if you were if you were going to win a Nobel Nobel Prize, uh, mm-hmm. uh, normal and or peace prize, what do you think your in your day to day domestic life? What would it be? I think I would win a Nobel Peace Prize for for um, avoiding confrontation all the time, uh, because if you're never confrontational, uh, you live a life of peace, or at least at least for me personally. So 
So I would probably win a Nobel Peace Prize just on the basis that I've um, I've avoided confrontation my whole life. Mm. How about you, Giles? Um, well, uh, I actually need to have a think. What do I actually do well? <laughs> oh yeah, making salads. Ah. I'm, I'm, I'm an absolute salad king, but I don't think they would give out a Nobel Peace Prize to a man who makes salads. But you never know. Maybe one day it will come about. You never know. We are living in a simulation, so crazier things have happened. I've just had to look up what the types of Nobel Prize are because I was like, I want to find one that I'd get. And (laughs) sadly, I'm unlikely for for all categories. Um, What are they? Read them out. So there's physics, chemistry, physiology, medicine, literature, and peace. I don't know, saying that you won the Nobel Prize for chemistry is quite saucy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won it for biology, baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I'd be eligible for, for either of them because I like to think that I'm someone who avoids conflict, but actually I think that I'm a large source of conflict. <laughs> I'm avoiding it because I'm, I'm not receiving it. <laughs> mm. I see. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, I think that's a good question, Giles. I think uh, I think they should expand uh, those Nobel prizes to include a little, make them a little bit more accessible to people. Yeah, like the ev- everyday Nobel Prize. Yeah, Be- best uh, uh, hair that's been conditioned. There you best go. Best cycling. Uh, uh, what would you? Where there's like a horse that looks nice. <laughs> well, best in show and cycling kind okay. of thing. And the judges have to like run alongside you and look at your form mm-hmm. and be like, oh yeah, nice thighs. <laughs> I mean, I, I would be a very well, good it's judge. Like the Olymp- it's like the Olympics when they brought them back and they were like, we're going to have one for art, we're going to have one for like... Yes. Probably have one for like laundry. <laughs> they, had, they had like Olympic medals for all sorts. Well, let's, uh, let's do that. I'll start it and I'll call it the Jobel Prize. And, uh, oh, very good. I was holding that one in my head for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the, in the 18th and 19th centuries... Women commonly used a bathing machine at the beach. Uh, that was a walled wooden cart that was rolled into the sea, uh, where she could change into a swimsuit and step into the water, hidden from view by anyone on the shore. The bathing machine. Uh, Queen Victoria had one. It was very um, quite the spectacle. It was it was it was kind of neat looking. You can find that on Wikipedia. Um, and maybe this is too personal, but what's what is your bathing suit confidence level, <laughs> Verity? <laughs> ah therapy um (laughs) that's what we're here for i think i'm I'm definitely one of those like brits abroad who assume that every day is appropriate for swimwear in the like you go to the beach because you're like surely it's going to be like a hot bath and it never is but i'm i feel like i'm i'm overly prepared swimwear wearer but i will say that the worst part of swimwear is the getting into it or out of it so I'd be all here for having like a little caravan with me <laughs> to get to get changed because otherwise you've got like your mum holding a towel and right. that's yeah. and that's... that I think yeah you, that's perfect Verity because I think you've touched on it there that as adults it's less of you know you could go somewhere and get changed that's great for some reason as children your parents are like oh just get naked on the beach it's fine and they always go no one's looking no <laughs> one's looking and it's like if you keep saying no one's looking whilst my bum's out then people might look you know <laughs> and they remind they remind you that they've seen your bits before yeah so I think it's a thing of like up until what maybe like nine it's all good because you just want to be in the water you sort of don't care right. but then the interim period between I can't really 
necessarily go somewhere separate to change mm-hmm. and I'm now and, and I'm now an adult I will my mum it's actually inappropriate for my mum to do this for me yeah <laughs> and there is like an interim period where it's just completely galling and you're mm. almost always on some like, <laughs> cold English beach also like standing <laughs> on grit that's very right. uh, grit is a is an unpleasant experience so I think um yeah I, I want ca- ca- return of the caravans <laughs> yes yes my wife uh, she's an ocean swimmer sometimes and she has a uh, really cool it's like a big robe, but there's no opening. It just kind of sits on top of you. This big kind of, I don't know how to describe a it. A wizard. You can change. <laughs> yes, exactly. My wife is a wizard. <laughs> Thank you. A wizard's cloak. <laughs> that was the word I was looking for. Uh, yeah, and she can just, you know, you can change underneath that, which I think was pretty cool. I think we should all have one of those. Joe, as the resident history buff, um, uh, who wield the... Uh, well, I don't want to use Verity's word a caravan because it's not a caravan. It's like a vertical wooden box. So who wheeled the coffin? Who wheeled the coffin <laughs> with the alive person to the beach? Like family or strangers? And what if they were little pervy, nosy Nigels? You know, they might be looking in, looking in. How would you know? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I feel um, like like nosy Nigels have only just become like an inappropriate thing that we frown upon. Like, I just feel like <laughs> right. it's a given that in any time period before... 1990 <laughs> if you got undressed ever right there was someone someone behind behind the wooden door <laughs> watching yeah i agree i agree yeah they would have you know they would wheel them out maybe with a horse that would pull it back in or they would have a, a people do it there or is, some, can you imagine sorry joe there's nothing more unsubtle if you just want a quick dip in the ocean, a quick dip, then a horse coming along and bringing in a massive box. Oh, that's so unsubtle. But also, like, the ladies wouldn't have been doing big swimming anyway because they'd have been, like, the fact that they were even a bit undressed right. on a beach. exactly. So they might have done, like, they'd dipped a toe and done a giggle and then and then retreated. <laughs> they weren't, like, exactly. straight straight out of the box, do a bomb. <laughs> right, right. No, and their their bathing suit probably covered every inch of, of skin just about, um, which probably would have been shocking, even just showing the toe. Um, <laughs> Big inflatable flamingo covering the rest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They actually had, and they had a, they would have a strong young man or somebody sometimes to carry them out into the water, which I thought was interesting. Called Nigel. Called Nigel. Yes. Yes, of course. That's dreamy. <laughs> right. That's dreamy. What are some, what are some beach etiquette rules that you would like to see uh, in modern times, Verity? Um, I think that higher quality buckets and spades for adults. Oh. <laughs> I think fully encouraging... <laughs> Because if you if you are an adult who would like to make a little moat, you've got to you've got to buy like a, a children's spade. I think that's embarrassing. Right. Whereas I would like some proper like whittling tools. That is um, the most creative answer I could have thought of. I don't think in a million years I would have thought of it. I like that. So you'd like to do something fun on the beach, but you can't because they only make little pink and green plastic shovels. And you maybe don't want to bring your shovel from your garage, but you need something in between, right? <laughs> yeah, I like the idea that in my head, the only embarrassing thing about me making a sandcastle is the fact that I'm probably using a plastic spade <laughs> um, rather than just the whole scenario. Right. Um, 
I don't. I think, but also, like, I think the beach is sort of an area for like no etiquette. Right. That's sort of the point. You know, we're we we're, we're, we're one with nature. We're coming back to the sea from from whence we all came. Yes. Um. So maybe wow. it's like the etiquette I want is no rules, like anarchy on the beach. <laughs> no, like not anything goes on the beach. Okay, I do like th- that's a very lofty view of the beach, and I'm going to try to remember that next time I go. <laughs> Think about your evolutionary roots. I mean, as it you seems crawl, like crawl back in <laughs> exactly. Which you know, here especially, I'm sure in America, where where you have quite the opposite experience when you go to a beach and um, you know it's there's tents set up and coolers of beers. Well, I suppose that's pretty universal. But blasting stereos, it's anything but a return to nature, unfortunately. Well, yeah, but you in America, Joe, you have a thing called good weather. And so in the UK, you, you have spring break, you know, where it's like lovely weather and people... Here we have the Easter break where we, we might, like, like various dip a toe in the water and then get uh, chillblains or whatever, it's frostbite, and then get back <laughs> in our wooden coffins and get the horse to pull us away. Right, right. Also, I mass- I disagree with Verity. I don't think we should have anarchy on the beach because I think already when you go to the beach, you have a man coming along trying to sell you sunglasses whilst I'm asleep. And so if that's already a bit of anarchy, I don't want full anarchy. <laughs> but anarchy would, be, would mean that you could then be like, right, into the water with you. <laughs> I don't know. There could be some kind of like vengeance. Well, okay, I'm on board for vengeance at the beach then. I think, yeah, if there's one of those things, where, like the deeper I go into this idea, the more I'm like, I don't really think this is oh. this is a good good idea. I just I just think that everyone should have a nice time at the beach, and the fewer rules there are, then you know the happier everyone will be. Everyone will be better behaved. This idea that you know if you legalize everything, no one ever does anything bad because um, it's not you know the temptation of maybe if littering wasn't illegal. Everyone will be like, oh, this is really boring, rather than getting a kick out of Interesting. reverse psychology. Interesting. We've got bins here in Southampton that on the side of the bin, it says, why are you littering? And there's a checklist of reasons why you might be littering, which includes, you know, I don't care about the city and I'm lazy. <laughs> and, oh, my God. <laughs> and and like, I don't care about the environment. And then the bottom answer, which is ticked, is all of the above. <laughs> oh, wow. So, But wow. I think maybe if the bin was just like, do you know what? Knock yourself out. Go ahead then um, it wouldn't be so um, so thrilling. I am envious of the the British sense of humor over here that would just that would never happen. It would be it would be vandalized, it would be um, put up on Twitter, it would be It's against some kind of amendment, isn't it, to suggest on a bin that someone's lazy. <laughs> <laughs> We are delighted to say that Ancient Origins is sponsoring this podcast. Ancient Origins is the world's most popular ancient history website, covering lost civilizations, odd artifacts, amazing places, and strange events in history. It brings alive the mystery and intrigue of our ancient past. Listeners to this podcast can get 20% off a premium subscription by using the code HISTORY. Okay, on with the show. Uh, let's talk about John Stubbs. John Stubbs. Yay! Yay! Back in 1579, John Stubbs was a pamphleteer, um, and he was sentenced by Queen Elizabeth to have his hand severed uh, his hand cut off for seditious writing, but Stubbs could not resist making a pun, and before the cleaver fell, he called out, Pray for me now, my calamity is at hand. <laughs> 
So John Stubbs pulling a pulling a irresistible little pun um, at his at his punishment. Uh, so how do you feel as a comedian? How do you feel about puns, Verity? So I, I feel like I'm not the kind of comedian who does them. And probably, I think they're, they're its own skill set, isn't it? Like, in the same way that you meet comedians who are amazing improvised comedians but couldn't do stand-up or vice versa, um, you've got to be really brave to do puns because he said that at his, his b-handing. <laughs> and... <laughs> What you when you're somebody who does a pun, you really want everyone to be like, way. But I bet people were just like, take the whole take the whole head off. Yeah, <laughs> like this, like pause and be like, right, we have to go back to the drawing board because we we simply cannot allow this kind of cheek. Yeah, I mean, p- puns are in the same the same space as they occupy the same space as dad jokes, don't they? When one out of a thousand times will go down well, and then the rest of them they don't. So I agree with Verity that this person. John Stubbs was trying to distract it or maybe do the first ever stand-up gig in its in its modern form <laughs> uh, to, try, to try and get away from this. Or he was doing what happens at the start of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where Robin Hood's about to get his hands cut off and then he does like a quick and pulls and someone else gets their hand cut off. But rather than like doing that, he thought, I'll try my own way of distracting, which is by telling a joke and it just didn't, it didn't distract. If anything, it <laughs> continued their resolve to cut his hand off. I think it's just such a like, it's such a fine art though, because I guess like a pun is really, really impressive if you've made it up on like on the spot like in, you know, your friend at the pub or doing improv, then you could quite go, oh, well, that was very clever. But how long before he had his hand cut off? Yeah. Do you think he was thinking of that? Like, do you think at, at sentencing, he was like... <laughs> 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 months months in prison, just sitting by himself. I mean, come on. And he'll have been like, he'll have changed individual words around as well to be like, right. oh, do you think that calamity is the best word. Maybe I should use trouble or, you know, he'll have, he'll have really prepped this like tight five. Yeah. Yeah. And he probably... I think it's just quite smug. It's exactly. Quite smug. It is. I can imagine him, you know, blurting it out kind of at the wrong time. Cause he's anticipating it and someone's talking. So he has to, he has to do it again, you know, do it again. Yeah, a well, little he gets tongue tied right. and, he, and he messes up and he's like, Guys, cut. We're going to go again, but not cut. <laughs> don't cut. Don't cut. <laughs> also, can we go back? Did you say earlier behanding? I, I don't want anyone to miss that if you did. That was, it, was, it, was, it was a pun and it was great. Like, I, I thought that was genius. Yeah, thank, thank you. So, <laughs> puns are terrible unless they're done by me because I, I'm really good at them. Yeah, I, I think the fact that Joe sort of missed it and just come back to it, he would have already cut your hands off, Ferretti. <laughs> Do you think it was like if if people didn't get it, he'd be like, "I'm gonna do do another crime <laughs> to, have, to have another go." Um, but I get, yeah. But also, also correct me if I'm wrong. His surname was Stubbs. Yes. So his very nature <laughs> after his hand was cut off became a pun. He became a walking pun. Yes. <laughs> what other crimes could you do where like a specific body part got cut off? And I mean, like. Keeping it, keeping it up above the belt. <laughs> but like, yeah, I get that it's sort of, it's a good image to be like, with your hand, you have written the, these rude pamphlets, so we're going to cut off your hand. But like, if you listen to something bad. Yes, exactly. Is it like the ear, the ear comes off? Right, right. I wonder what you could listen to back then that would be bad. I mean, they didn't have um, objectionable 
like parental advisory on the CDs back then. So, I, and can you get done for like listening to something bad? Like if it's not your really your fault, like, right? Exactly. If you can hear, then you're sort of obliged to listen to stuff. It's like with reading. I saw I think someone did a tweet about the fact that. Once you learn to read, you're essentially imprisoned to read everything you ever see. Like, you can't choose not to. So can you get... Is it like... Yeah, but Verity, you sound like you're then doing, like, a nosy Nigel defence. Like, well, <laughs> this person was naked at the beach, and I've got <laughs> eyes, so what do you expect? I was seeing them, but I wasn't, you know... Don't blame me for looking in the cracks of this man's coffin, as the woman's coffin, as she gets out. No, I, I think there's a difference between being, like... I position myself at this keyhole and whatever I see, I see. <laughs> but if you're just walking past something salacious being said, um, <laughs> rather than being like, I've been hiding in the wardrobe for hours, hoping I hear some rumour. Um, I don't think that's a fair, that's a fair judgment, Giles. Yeah. Where does this naughty Nigel thing? I've never heard this. Is this, is this is like a peeping <laughs> Tom? No one has. <laughs> Uh, well, I see Nigel in the same sort of school as a Peeping Tom. Peeping Tom exists, doesn't it, okay. in, in the US of A. Yes. Naughty Nigel doesn't exist. Um, I can't think of any other names where people are destined to, to be like associated with something. Lazy Susan. Oh, there you go. <laughs> like the chair. <laughs> yeah, Lazy Susan and Peeping Tom. You've got, like pla- you got like a plain Jane. Plain Jane. Plain Jane, you've got a... There's definitely got to be other I ones. feel bad for Susan. Susan doesn't even have a rhyme. It's just like... Yeah, you're lazy. Lazy Susan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but also, like, <laughs> if you were the first person to be called that, if it's not a rhyme, that's that, that's personal. Whereas if you were, like, a silly Billy... Right. Ah, there you go. And then it, that... it just rhymes. Whereas if someone was like, Susan, <laughs> you're effing lazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, what were we talking about I don't remember <laughs> No. whether it was illegal to listen to things that oh, you yeah. oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah also can I just say Verity's won the award for going the longest in an episode of Social Awkward History without bringing up Hitler so I'd just like to pause and thank say you. Well done, thank you and thank you for that's ruining my... that streak Giles that's, yeah, my... No. <laughs> that's my Nobel Peace Prize <laughs> <laughs> yes that's what they say about arguments, though, isn't it? That like as soon mm-hmm. as you mention Hitler, you you lost. But like, yeah. But I go in early. I go in early. If someone says, "Did you leave the milk out?" <laughs> <laughs> I think we can go before we finish. Uh, I want to try this new segment. Um, it's I pulled some old words. Do a theme tune for it, Joe. Mm. Do a do a theme tune for the new segment. Not you, Verity. Do Joe, because Joe specifically, I want to hear a theme tune. You want me to make the theme song? Okay. Uh, now it's time to do old words. I hope you like these old words. There. See, this is why I don't. I don't write. Theme I was going for more like a musical ditty rather oh. than just saying what it was. <laughs> Well, you didn't give me the instructions. I thought that was great, Joe. Thank you, Verity. <laughs> well done, Joe. Well it, done, it, Joe. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to... Uh, <laughs> basically, I'm going to tell you an old word I plucked from the internet, uh, and then I will tell you when the word was used, but I want you to guess what it means. Guess the definition. Uh, the first one is from the 16th century. The word is twaddling. I'm still blown away by Joe's, Joe's unfinished jingle. I can't wait to hear the end of it. I can't wait to have that edited out. No, Phil, leave it in. <laughs> I also think Giles was so harsh because it had lyrics. It had a melody. Yeah. It yeah. didn't have an end. It, it didn't just, have an end. It was unresolved. It's a yeah. work of art. Um, 
twaddling. I don't know. Is it going to be like the word twaddle? Like to just sort of talk talk rubbish? Yeah, that's it. Gossiping idly about unimportant things. <laughs> Is it? Yep. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed it. Excellent. Sorry, that, make, that that's the thing with games like this, where if you get it right, it's like sort of not fun. That's not the point. <laughs> right. You 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 guessed it right. That's that's a point for you, and there's no points or no prize. So, congratulations. Yeah. Um, Yay. Okay, Grumbletonians from the 17th century. Grumbletonians. 17th century. That's when it that was first recorded. By a man who'd learned to read and suddenly could read everything and he saw this word and went, oh no, I can't forget this. Oh, I feel like this is obviously set up to be like, oh, is it an angry political minister? Wow. Um, but um, is it going to be something religious? Is it going to be like, you know, those religious sorts who would like hit themselves on the back? Is there a sort of simil- <laughs> like a similar self-punishing no. religious thing where you go around just being like a bit cross? I, I does not not even close. You no. actually had it closer the the first the first guess. Oh yeah, I give up. I'm a okay. I'm a, I'm a one guess <laughs> pony. Uh, people who are angry or unhappy with their government, Grumbletonians. Uh. Um, this one is old English, so way back then. Shiviness, shiviness. You can shivy someone along, can't you? Get them to do a thing quickly. So is it like hurrying, or quickness? No. Oh. Is it like a shiv, like you'd stab someone with? Is it like stabbiness? No. Okay. Is it a, is it like a sieve, but it's someone with a lisp? <laughs> no. This is this is too difficult. I need to remember that that some of these are going to be impossible to guess. Yeah, you really got my confidence up with the first one. The first one, I was like, right, well. No. Yeah. You know, you're not supposed to get these right, but somehow you did. Mm-hmm. Um, shiviness is the uncomfortable feeling of wearing new underwear. <laughs> Oh, but I think the feeling of wearing new underwear is is not uncomfortable. That's the whole point. It's like yeah, you're, you're being supported. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel fresh. You're looking you're looking great. I guess um, that's what hundreds of years of uh, engineering yeah. the underwear has done. Yeah, I bet they didn't have like a support <laughs> support yeah. level on their. Underwear. I'm not sure what they would have been. Do you know what would the underwear have been in twelve hundreds? Like nothing 1200s? at all, really, wouldn't it? Like just a big dress <laughs> under everyone's clothes. That's why right. with people didn't really sleep in anything that was specific to sleep. It's oh, like okay. sleep clothes until right. like well, I don't know, like Jane Austeny times where you'd have like a sleep shirt. Yes. Maybe. Okay. So, Interesting. So I guess up until then, it's just like a big sack with arms that goes under <laughs> everything because you never change it either because you've got no possessions. <laughs> so so I remember. <laughs> Back in the day. So much suffering. So much needless suffering. Um... <laughs> I feel like uh, we did. I feel like we did this section in order to not end on like anecdotal discussions about Hitler, and now we're like, God, isn't suffering bloody terrible? Never ends. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, slugabed from the 16th century. Slugabed. Says. So, so is it just being like a morning person? No, like any, not any morning person. Like a night owl. No, I'm going to give like, it to you. You already got it. It's a person who stays in bed after the usual or proper time to get up. Wow. I think you won the Nobel Prize. I feel like that's like words in German where they've just taken <laughs> literal meanings of things and put them together. And you're like, it's right. a slug. And you're in bed. 
Slakkerbijt. Well, that is all we've got time for on this week's episode of Socially Awkward History. Thank you so much to our guest, the hilarious Verity Babs. Where can we find more of you? <laughs> if you wait outside my bathing carriage, <laughs> uh, wait on any beach. <laughs> um, so the best way to follow what I'm up to is on Instagram, probably, and that's at Verity Babs Art. Um, and I've got a website. Uh, which is just Verity Babs, and that's where I share where we're doing the next Art Last gigs and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, online you can find more of me. And thank you to our sponsors, Ancient Origins. You can find out more about them and get 20% off a subscription by clicking the link below in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, please do follow or subscribe and leave a review as well as a five-star rating because it really helps other people discover us. Uh, You can find more History Hustle on social media or historyhustle.com. This podcast was produced by Giddy Ant Comedy and edited by Phil Atkins. Most importantly, thank you to you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Until next time, stay awkward. Awkward.